At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 414, and today we are talking about books being released on May 16th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Here's a hello! Hey, how are ya? Well, I'm really bad at hiding things, so I usually just say it. I'm not feeling very well today, so it might be... Might be a short, a short one, or if I say like wacky stuff that is not correct, like please forgive me in advance because, oh. yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest though, and I, you know, like there's very few things that keep me from talking about books, so understandably so, and I'm sorry to hear that you're not feeling so hot, but thank you, thank you for powering through so we can talk about new books because that always makes me happy. Yeah, it always cheers me up, and there are so many good books out today. And it's, like, 80 degrees outside here in Maine, and everything is flowering and beautiful, and there's all kinds of birds, and I don't know what the weather is like where you are. Oh, it's very rainy, but it's been warm and very, like, lush and green, so that's kind of exciting to just finally feel like we're in spring. It's awesome. I like it every year because, you know, we have all these trees in our backyard, and it's, like, they're like little tiny buds, little tiny buds, and then one day they just like open all their leaves and you Explode. can you can't see the neighbors anymore. <laughs> it just like happens all at once. It's great. Yeah, I, it is it's so magical. I love that part about springtime when all of a sudden it's like flips a switch and then everything's green. Yeah. I just wish like I have like a sand cherry and a quince and a crab apple tree and they flower and last like a week and then fall off and I'm like I wish the flowers stayed all year. And my husband's like, you say that every year. Like, I'm like, yeah. And every year I still wish it, you know, so back off. Yes. I know. It's so beautiful. <laughs> they really are. So this is episode 414, 414, which is an area code for a big place. It's the area code that covers Milwaukee. Like, no small spot. Um, so hello to everyone in Milwaukee and the surrounding areas. Sorry about Bud, but, you know, the Bucks will come back next year. <laughs> They, I really like the Bucks. I have a lot of great players that I really like. I mean, of course, I'm a Celtics Celtics fan, but, like, the Bucks are great, you know. So what else is going on? Uh, we're <sighs> still talking about our new first edition podcast. If you haven't heard of it yet, bookriot.com co-founder Jeff O'Neill uh, explores the wide bookish world, including interviews, lists, rankings, retrospectives, recommendations, and much more. Featuring people who know and love books. I'm going to be doing a little thing on it soon. Um, you can subscribe to First Edition on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Recently, Kelly and Vanessa dug into the legacy of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Can I tell you a secret? I have never read that book. <gasps> oh my gosh, you should totally read it. I just saw the movie. Oh, was it good? The movie was so, so good. Like, oh, I... Great. 
I can't wait to watch it again. I was really surprised because I live in a very teeny tiny rural corner of Iowa. And we're very lucky that we have a very nice like theater in our small town. And it's Mm -hmm. owned by like this family chain. And I was not surprised when our local theater did not have it because they they tend to just kind of have like the bigger things. And are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Didn't seem like the type of movie that would come to my little town. But the little town 30 minutes away from me did have it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's a 30 minute drive. Let's go. So for my birthday, we went and saw Are You There? God, It's Me, Margaret. And it was literally the smallest movie theater I have ever sat in, in this historic downtown, like brick theater that was actually quite nice. And we, it was me and my partner. And then there were like five other women that were all over the age of 60. And we were all laughing and just having (laughs) a great time. It is such a fantastic movie. It's such a beautiful adaptation so definitely go see it well that is awesome to know i'm probably gonna have to read the book first but a couple of things one did i miss your birthday i never know what people's birthdays are (laughs) unless i see it go by on instagram so happy birthday thank you thank you it was last week thank you yeah happy birthday and uh yeah so you can hear about that especially now that Teresa has talked about the movie you can hear about uh what kelly and vanessa think of the book you can also hear jeff and rebecca determine the it book of April or hear from Professor Erica Williams about Nella Larson in honor of the new complete fiction of Nella Larson collection. All kinds of things going on. Jeff was actually on the podcast last week and he had one really great idea. You know how I've been like Ooh. reading on my my big screen TV? Like I like yeah. to read. He thinks I should rent an IMAX theater and read a book. <laughs> and now it's all I keep thinking about. And I'm like, that's so ridiculous and it probably wouldn't work, but that would be really fun. So... Um, you can find those wherever you get your podcasts. So we are going to hear from a sponsor now. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest-paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid-back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be, right? 
Right, girl, like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series. Miss Wong got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so everyone's going to know the book that I'm going to talk about first. Everyone has to, they like everyone knows already. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. Let's go. Yeah. It's Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. I, I, like, sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like I need to endorse books. You know, like, everyone's just going to want to read this anyway. And everyone should read this book. It is a novel that says what needs saying about racism and publishing. I actually started reading the New York Times article today about this book. And she was talking about how her agent was like, no publisher is going to publish this. And they were very <laughs> wrong, which is great because it's it's a really great book. It's about two writer friends, June Hayward and Athena Liu. Athena is a successful author. June, not so much. You know, they're friends, but like June is kind of jealous of Athena. And then like the very beginning of the book, Athena dies suddenly. And so June steals her unpublished manuscript and decides to submit it as her own, which is bad. Very bad. Mm -hmm. Stealing stealing from your friends, taking credit for their work. But what is also bad is that Athena was Asian American and June is white. And June allows the publisher to change her name from when they publish the book to Juniper Song and lets people think she's Asian American by, it's like a lie by omission. She doesn't say that she is, but she doesn't say that she isn't. She can't really tell from her author photo. And, of course, everyone loves this amazing, amazing novel. And it's all very, very, very bad. You know, like, stealing is wrong. But, I mean, you know, June has always been jealous of Athena. She, you know, even though they were friends, like, she thought, like, Athena really only got published because publishers were trying to promote diversity and needed you know, diverse voices, you know, otherwise, you know, June's books would be getting much more publicity than they are, you know, and it's, it's all bad. It's all, it's all bad. And you're going to find out why, you know, can June keep up the ruse forever? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, publishing is pretty bad in, in lots of respects, you know, and that message is the point of this book. You know, many of us are familiar with this staggering racism and lack of diversity in the book world. But maybe there are readers out there who need to learn about it. And even if you think, you know, oh, I know how bad at publishing is. Like, I don't need to read this. I think you're wrong because you still don't know everything. And it's a really great book. You know, it's told by June. Like, we get it in the first person. June's, like, you know, trying to justify all of her actions and, you know, tell you, like, why this is okay that she did this. And you know it's not because she's racist and she's committing terrible acts, you know, and she doesn't see the problem. And... Kirkus, I was reading their Kirkus review the other day, and Kirkus said, uh, the ultimate message is clear from the start, which can lead to a lack of nuance. But I kind of disagreed, because I think anytime you can turn a message or much-needed information and education into also ingestible entertainment, as it is, I think it's a win, you know? So, So I think it's sharp and funny, and it has more teeth than a great white. In the end, mentions Book Riot. Woohoo! So, woo. I do want to get, there's a lot of content warnings, including violence and death, racism, racialized language and racist slurs, cultural appropriation, toxic friendship, gaslighting, sexual assault, suicide, and self-harm. 
Loss of a Loved One, and more. This is Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. I so cannot wait to read this one. Definitely have it already like on reserve at my library. Sweet. So that's going to be fun. I mean, fun in the sense that like, I'm excited to read this book, but like, it probably isn't like a fun, fun book. So yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, So my first pick is Quietly Hostile by Samantha Irby. This is her new collection. Yeah. I mean, you were saying about how sometimes you feel like you don't need to endorse books because everyone's just going to read them. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about the new Sam Irby books. Like anytime she comes out with a new book, I'm like, does she need any more hype? Like everybody just knows. Go, go read this. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't read Sam Irby, she is a hilarious essayist and she talks about, oh my gosh, like everything from like her past and her dating misadventures to like pop culture and things that she loves. And she's so, so funny. And in my opinion, I think the best way to consume a Samantha Irby book is to listen to the audiobook because she narrates the audio. So you get to listen to her um, actually tell her own stories. And she does such a great job at the narration. Um, so Quietly Hostile is a collection of of essays about her life and her experiences and especially like there's a lot of rumination too about the fact that she's you know now in her early 40s and her life looks a little bit different than it did when she published her first book meaty but that's not a bad thing and i just love the self-deprecation but also like just the absolute zingers that she throws in there so there's a really great essay about the her her first dog she's always been like a cat person but she got a dog during covid and the dog is a mess but he's a hilarious mess she has one called body horror which is about the horror of your body as it ages and changes on you and it does things that you do not expect but there is a part in body horror that like i was laughing but i was also like actively trying not to throw up because it was kind of gross so you know content warning if anything bodily fluids if bodily fluids you know yuck you out maybe skip that essay although i do think it it is Worth it just to be like WTF about it because I was actually driving while I was listening to it and I was like actively trying not to gag, but I was also laughing at the same time and I was like not sure what I should be doing with like, you know, one hand on the wheel and the other hand, like, should I like put it to my mouth so I don't throw up or should I like turn off the audiobook because this is just too, it was like too much for me and I was like driving to work hoping that I wouldn't throw up in my lap. But at the same time, I'm looking back at that essay and I'm thinking, Wow, that that was a trip. Um, so that is like Samantha Irby, I think, in a nutshell. Like she will make you laugh, and then like we'll write this essay where like I almost threw up while I was driving, and then I was like, "But that was a really good essay. I'm really glad I read that." So yeah, she's just so so good, and I love the way she swings from you know hilarious, ridiculous humor to like surprisingly moving passages. I mean, I say surprisingly moving just because it feels like such a nice contrast, but it really works. So Quietly Hostile by Samantha Irby. Definitely pick it up. um, And I highly recommend it on audio. Yeah, that book is wild. And, you know, I'm a huge fan. I've read all her other books. And, you know, every time I think it's safe to go back in the Samantha Irby waters, she shares even more information about herself that you were like, oh my goodness, you know, like right. bodily functions and all that stuff, but it's hilarious. Also, I learned 
like so much about Sex in the City and Dave Matthews, like that I did not know. Yes, you know because there's a chapter about each of those, and also she deconstructs that lesbian nun porno, which is like I think was like the funniest thing that I had read. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah. And, like, I, I admit, I don't particularly care about Sex in the City, but, like, I cared because I was right. listening to her talk about it because she wrote for the reboot of the show. And um, and I love, all, like, I really, I feel like I relate deeply to her because she, like, lives in Michigan now. And, um, like, she's talking about, like, the trash food options in Southwest Michigan. And I'm like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, I would drive an hour to Grand Rapids to, like, just get some decent <laughs> food. And... Yeah, and then I also like how she talks about like being this Midwestern creature who like goes to LA and is like, what are these LA creatures? I do not understand. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it made me want to. I've never seen Sex in the City, so it made me want to watch it. Which I don't know if it would hold up having not seen it first, but we'll find out. So my next book is now something completely different. But also, can I just say like one more thing about Samantha Irby? Mm. I think the best way to sell books no matter who you are, is just to put a picture of a cute animal on the cover. Oh, yeah. she's She's got that. Yeah. Like, the, the upcoming um, Starter Villain novel by John Scalzi has a painting of a cat wearing a business suit, like a portrait, and everyone I know is, like, pre-ordering that book. They're like, I just want it for the cover. And I was like, that's a way, <laughs> that's a way to sell books. <laughs> Indeed. My next pick does not have any cute animals on the cover, but it is a really fun debut. It is called St. Juniper's Folly by Alex Crespo. This is a fun supernatural YA debut. It is set in St. Juniper's Folly, Vermont, and revolves around the lives of three teens. Now, St. Juniper's Folly is this, like, picture postcard village. Um, when I, when they were describing it in the book, I was imagining Kenny Bunk Portmain. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, like, very fancy and cute and everything is, like, clean and, you know, also super expensive. But there's also, like, a weird area of St. Juniper's Folly. There's, like, this valley. And the people who live there tell all these stories about, ooh, these scary things that happened in that valley and people go missing and people went missing and, you know, just stay out of the valley. So remember that because we're going to get back to that. <laughs> so one of the teens is named Jaime. He has returned to the town after eight years in the foster care system. Um, he is now being raised by a friend of the family or is living, I should say, living with a friend of the family. He's 17. He does not really like that he's come back to St. Juniper's Folly. We know that something has happened. Something has happened with his mother. Everyone stares at him. Everyone knows his business. Like he just, he really doesn't like it. Uh, and one day he decides to run off into the woods. Now there's Theo. Theo is also 17. He is trying to decide what he wants to do with his life. His father wants him to go to school to become a lawyer. He's trying to get him to apply to for pre-law. And Theo's working at a library. He's volunteering at the library. And he's just not sure that this is what he wants to do. But his father is really pressuring him. So he's got this like hanging over his head. And then there's Taylor, who has kind of a sad home life. Uh, her mother was a witch, like a, like a real witch, like can do magic and was teaching it to Taylor. Uh, and they moved to Vermont and opened her mother's dream store where she sold potions and herbs and gave advice about, you know, magic and spells and stuff um, because she was an actual witch. But unfortunately, her mother died and her father has now forbid Taylor from doing any magic whatsoever. Like he wasn't really happy about the store to begin with. And now, like, she's not allowed to do any magic. And all he wants is to sell off the stock 
and then shut it down. And she's like really devastated because she feels like, you know, she can't talk to her father about her mother without talking about who she was. And he doesn't want to talk about magic. So it's really hard for her. And so back to Theo. Theo is on a mission to deliver some books. He's got to bring them to a school or something in another town. And the quickest way to get to that town is the road through the valley. So he decides to take it. While he's driving, he hears these blood-curdling screams. And unlike most of us, pulls over to find out what's happening. (laughs) And goes running through the woods, running through the muds. The muds? Just mud. Singular and plural. And he finds a house. This, like, beat up, falling down, like, house in the middle of the woods. Like, he said he had heard maybe that there was a house out there, but he never really believed it. There's this house. And standing in the doorway of this house is a cute boy who would be Jaime. And as Theo quickly discovers, Jaime cannot leave the house and Theo cannot enter. When Jaime was running through the woods, just trying to, like get away from everybody and clear his mind, he entered this home and went to leave, and he can't leave. It's like a it's like a force field. So Theo returns to town to find help. Um, and what better way to combat strange unknown things like magic than to get a witch to help you? So Taylor is roped into helping Theo get Jaime out of this house. And in their adventures with trying to free Jaime and to find out what the deal is with this house... Romance will blossom between Jaime and Theo, and they will help each other make the big decisions that they need to make and support each other. It's just a really charming and fun book about friendship and young romance, big decisions. It's also creepy. I started reading it in the middle of the night, as I want to do with books. Like, when I finish one, I just start the next one. Uh, And I was like, I don't know. I I got the chills, like, talking about the creepy house and the woods and stuff. I was like, I like this. So I do want to give content warnings for violence, injury, and death, loss of a loved one, racism and homophobia, and animal death. This is St. Juniper's Folly by Alex Crespo. This one sounds really good. Uh, It's been on my radar as well. Yeah. My next pick is Will Never Tell by Wendy D. Hurd. And it is a really great sort of mystery slash thriller. It is about four friends. Um, The protagonist is Casey, and she is good friends with um, Zoe, Jacob, and Eddie. And they are about to graduate from high school. But all throughout high school, they've had this secret YouTube channel where they basically break into abandoned and haunted places all throughout L.A. County. And they film it. And then they... You know, they do it so that they obscure their identities and then they do like voiceover work and they have like these really haunting videos about exploring like these lost, abandoned and locked up places um, throughout their city. And it became really super popular, but they've been very careful to like maintain their um, anonymity because like literally Zoe is like the person that's like helping them break into these places. So they don't want to get in trouble, but they also think it's really cool and they, they do it for like the threat of it and because it's fun but also you know they just they don't want to get caught so they are about to graduate like i mentioned and they decide that they're going to do one last video before they kind of go their separate ways after graduation and 
Jacob is like, you know, we should break into like the the Hollywood murder house. So in this book, there is this house that was the site of a gruesome murder in 1970. A young actress and her um, Hollywood executive husband were murdered. And it's one of those cases where like everybody is pretty sure like they know like what happened, but technically the case isn't closed. And as a result, there was a lot of tension over like what should happen to the house and the person who inherited it just never did anything with it. So like they literally just like locked it up after the murder and like everybody, like their stuff is still in there, like their furniture, there's still like bloodstains on the carpet and the house has just been locked for like 50 years. And um, obviously they have some security measures because it's a very famous murder house, but the four decide that they are going to break into this murder house and like do videos and that will be kind of like their last hurrah and like Casey is honestly not super thrilled about this plan because her mother was actually murdered a few years before the start of the book and the murder was never solved and she feels like you know it's one thing to kind of like break into abandoned places just you know for cool footage but like it's another to kind of rubberneck at the site of a you know really tragic horrific crime and she's worried about being perceived as you know, one of those people who takes advantage of these these horrific crimes for entertainment. But the rest of her friends kind of overrule her and they're like, no, 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 we can do this respectfully. Like, it'll be fine. Let's go. Um, so the beginning of the book, they, they go and they break into this house and they are filming and it's like a hundred percent creepy, like, you know, even creepier than they probably could have ever imagined. And they're going through and they're getting their footage. And at one point they all split up and they think they're going to be fine because like they've just broken into the secure house and disabled the alarm but then all of a sudden the alarm goes off and obviously they freak out like okay clearly they must have tripped something that they didn't know was there um and as they are running out of their house they realize that one of them Jacob has actually been stabbed and his camera has been stolen or it's just you know it's disappeared um so that's obviously something that they're like oh my gosh what is going on and so you know the the alarm's going off jacob's been stabbed they don't know what's happening and it looks like he's been fatally stabbed so they make the very poor decision to just leave him there because they know that the police are coming and they know that if they get caught there like things are going to be really bad for them So they get away and then they tune into the police radio and they realize that Jacob is actually alive. He did not bleed out or die at the scene. So he's rushed to the hospital. But now they're like, oh, crap, because we we like fled the scene. It's going to make us look even guiltier. And they're also super freaked out because Casey's secretly wondering, like, could one of us have actually stabbed him? But like, if that's not the case, then like who else was in there with us? Because this is supposedly an abandoned place that it was locked up tight. So that becomes like sort of the crux of this story as they um, are cleaning up evidence and trying really, really hard not to, you know, get caught. And they are able to cover their tracks well enough that the police don't have anything on them, but like not so well enough that the police aren't still deeply suspicious that they were all there together. And so because Casey doesn't necessarily believe that one of her friends could have 
killed their other friend, um, she starts digging into the history of the house and who owns it and what is going on there, hoping to figure out who would want to hurt Jacob. And it actually brings her directly to the original murder mystery of um, what happened to the original owners. So I really liked this one. Um, it was, it's queer. It is, I uh, got a lot of re- really great tension. Um, it had some really good twists and turns. Um, I actually like read it on my phone, the um, advanced copy on my, uh, yeah, just on my phone. And I was like, glued to my phone. I wanted to figure out what was going to happen next. And so I highly recommend it. It is We'll Never Tell by Wendy D. Hearn. Now, because I am a morbid little monster, I know that the house that, I haven't read the book, but I know that the house that it's based on is is a real place. It's the Los Feliz murder house. Yes. Because I've read everything about that. And it's like the most famous murder house. But it also reminded me that it makes me laugh that, I don't know if you saw this, a couple of months ago, a kid broke into Michael Jordan's abandoned mansion and filmed it and put it up on TikTok and then couldn't understand why he got arrested. Oh my god! Which is just like, well, because you broke into someone's home and, and then also shared the video, you know? But like, these houses just sit empty, you know, for, for decades and it's just, it's wild. But uh, this one sounds it really is. fun and I want to read it. Yeah, it was good. So uh, those are books that we have read and enjoyed. Now we are going to talk about a few of today's releases, hardcover and paperback, that we're excited about but haven't necessarily read. My endorsement is going to be very short because the description of this is very short. It just gave me all kinds of certain feels, and that's why I wanted to read it. It's called No One Will Come Back for Us and Other Stories by Primi Mohammed. This is a collection of stories about monsters and creatures in space and on land and underwater with old gods and new beasts and humankind's search for the unknown in scientific realms. And that's really all the description tells you. But it was giving me all the names they used for God feels. The story by Anjali Sachdeva, which is my favorite story collection. And especially there's a story in there about a mermaid and a shark like that follows her under the water that I love and also terrifies me because that is how I feel about sharks. I love them and they also terrify me. Um, and so... I'm hoping that it gives, like, that kind of feeling that I got from those stories. And I also wanted to tell you, related, sort of, kind of, I just wanted to tell you, I was reading a new book about sharks that came out last week, (laughs) and they mentioned that Explore.org has live cams of, like, all kinds of things, like puffins and sloths and all kinds of animals. But they have a live shark cam in Cape Fear, North Carolina. And so I immediately had to watch it, turn it on. It's not, it, I just learned this yesterday morning and it's been on like in my house almost, it's probably still on, on my TV like right now. But it brought me so much joy immediately because like here's fish and like under the ocean and everything is very gray because like the fish were like silver and the sharks are, are like silver. But then every once in a while they'll be like this yellow fish that goes by and it's so bright but also like i said i love sharks and i'm also terrified of them like i don't go in the ocean and so while i'm watching it like my stomach drops every time a shark shows up because i mean you're just like looking at this like cloudy 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 and then snoot and there he is and it's a shark and you're like and that's how it is like if you're under the water and it stresses me out Uh, and so even though they are like over 900 miles away And underwater, I am afraid of these sharks, like, while I'm watching. But also, it's, like, really great. I highly recommend it. So, 
Back to the book, though. Yeah. It is No One Will Come Back for Us and Other Stories by Primi Mohammed. And do I have that book? I'm looking. I'm looking. Hold on. So the shark book that I read that is so awesome is a National Geographic kids book that came out called Weird But True Sharks 300 Phenomenal Facts to Dive Into. And I cannot recommend it enough. So now enough about sharks. Although there can never be enough about sharks. (laughs) Uh, We're going to hear from our next sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book, titled The Dare, is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. And let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. All right, Tirza, take it away. Yeah, so um, I'm going to be talking about a book that is now out in paperback that I really enjoyed. It's called The Ones We're Meant to Find by Joan Hay. And it is um, science fiction, but it's kind of like mind-bendy a little bit. It is about um, a girl who wakes up on this island and she has no memory of how she got there or really very little memory of who she is. Um, and it seems to be abandoned. There is like this cottage that has some supplies that, but not like recently. Like So she's really trying to survive on this this island and she has no idea where she is all she knows is that she has a sister and she feels like she has to get back to her sister so she is scrounging around on this island trying to put together like the the bots that are there so that she can hopefully try to escape and it's a really rough um, life and she's trying to access her memories with little luck and then the other half of the story is told from the point of view of another girl who um is living on the other side of the ocean, presumably. She's living in this eco-city, which are like these cities that exist above the surface of the earth, because in this future, 
humanity has wrecked the earth so much that it's really unsafe to live on the earth's surface but there are all these eco cities above and humanity has you know figured out a way to just optimize energy and human i guess movement so that um we're not wasting resources and so that means that a lot of times humans conduct all work and business in these like pods it's kind of like virtual reality and that is how they spend most of their days when they're not like exercising and they live in these like tiny little little apartments and obviously room in these eco cities um is comes at a premium so she's living in this eco city and she is not like having her best life because um her sister disappeared a year earlier and she has no idea where she is and in this future where everybody is you know super tracked and has a technological imprint it's really weird that her sister seems to have just dropped off of the face of the earth and so she wants to find out what happened to her sister you also learn as you start to read that she is this like prodigy when it comes to science and technology but she did something that was so so bad that her punishment is that she's not allowed to do any sort of stem research anymore at all which is too bad for her because she thinks that she might have figured out a way to sort of help solve some of these climate crises but she has this missing link and she can't you know do the work to find this missing link because she's banned from all this research but also because she thinks the missing link is her sister so really great sort of mystery but also a very interesting and compelling look at like climate fiction also it has some big twists and surprises so i'm not gonna you know get into that too much because this is one of those books where i really do feel like the the less you know going into it the better so that is the ones we are meant to find by joan hay i love that book too i love her work yeah so good Uh, my other pick for today is also one that i can tell you very little about because i have not read it but it is the malvolent seven by Sebastian de Castell, and I wanted to read it just for the title. And I'm also super into, like, World of Warcraft-sounding books, since I read Legends and Lattes and Quests aside. Like, give me all the orcs and the swords, and it's it sounds really fun. And this is, from what I can understand with reading the description, in reading the description, I should say, it's about a group of ne'er-do-wells who do shady work for money, and... The narrator says, we're violent, angry, dangerously broken people who will sell our skills to the highest bidder and be damned to any moral or ethical considerations, at least until such irritating concepts as friendship and the end of the world get in the way. So it sounds like an apprehensive, begrudging, found family story, and this group is going to have to take on the seven scariest mages in all the land. So... It sounds like a really good time. It's The Malvolent Seven by Sebastian de Castell. Awesome. Okay, my last pick is um, the paperback release of one of my favorite books of last year. It is When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill. And it's sort of like this alternate history that imagines like what if um, on this one day in the 1950s, like half of the women in the United States just like spontaneously turned into dragons and then they flew away, but not before causing a lot of destruction. And um, so then this is about a young girl. She is a child when this happens. They call it like the dragoning. And so she's this little kid and 
you know, it's very traumatic because, like, half of, like, the kids she knows, like, lose their mom. So her mom does not turn into a dragon, but her aunt does, her beloved aunt. And what her mom does on that day is she goes and she picks up her little cousin, whom um, our narrator just adores, and she brings the little cousin home. Her name's Beatrice. And, like, from that day forward, they never talk about it. And, in fact, it becomes almost, not like, more than taboo, almost illegal to talk about the great dragoning in the United States. And so it's this really fascinating story about how she grows up knowing that, like, you know, her sister is really her cousin, but nobody's supposed to acknowledge that. And then her mother passes away and her father is an absolutely horrible person. And she's basically left on her own to bring up her sister slash cousin. And then things get interesting when her um, little sister starts to show signs of perhaps turning into a dragon herself and her entire perspective um, is challenged. And Oh my gosh, I feel like my description just did not do that book justice. It's so compelling and it's really beautifully written. It's one of those books that takes place over the course of a long period of time, but it is totally well worth it. I really loved all all like all of the elements of this. Like there's the fantastical element, but then there's also a lot about feminism and expectations that we put on women and um, the idea of like what a mother should be. And oh, yeah, I, I feel like I could just ramble about how great this book is. But it is When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill, one of my favorite books of 2022, for sure. All right. And now we come to the paperback round. I'm going to tell you about several hardcovers that are out in paperback today and a couple of paperback originals, starting with one of my favorite books of 2022, The Evening Hero by Marie Myung-Ok Lee. This is a generational story about Korean immigrants pursuing the American dream, the obstetrician who raised his children uh, with his values, but now he doesn't understand them and their interest in material things. He doesn't understand their technology and he's trying to find a job and it's not working out for him. This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub about a woman who wakes up on her 40th birthday as her 16-year-old self again. And she's now going to be able to spend time with her father who is ailing in her present day life and, you know, examines like, what would you do differently with what you know now? The Cherry Robbers by Sare Walker. It's about a sort of Winchester family-inspired story about a family who owns one of the largest gun manufacturing plants. The mother is having weird premonitions about her daughters. She's worried something's going to happen to them. And indeed, one of the daughters is killed on her wedding day, and more disasters will follow. Circa by Debbie S. Laskar. I loved Laskar's novel, The Atlas of Reds and Blues, which came out a few years ago. This one is about three friends in North Carolina... When tragedy strikes, not Cape Fear, North Carolina, like Robert De Niro, nothing like that happens. No sharks, just tragedy in North Carolina. And how two of them are reunited as adults and how they've changed and the secrets they've kept and what they need to get past. Greenland by David Santos Donaldson. This is about a young writer who has secluded himself in his basement to write about Muhammad al-Adil, the young Egyptian lover of British author E.M. Forster, uh, and the similarities in their circumstances a century apart and how it starts to transform the writer. 
All That's Left in the World by Eric J. Brown, about two young boys who rely on and then come to love one another after most of the world's population is killed off by a virus. They Can't Take Your Name by Robert Justice. I really enjoyed this one. It's about a young woman's last-ditch efforts to prove her father's innocence as the day of his execution approaches. And then a couple of paperback originals today. Bake Dates and Mooncakes by Cher Lee, about two young men who meet at the Mid-Autumn Festival Mooncake-Making Competition for teen chefs and start to fake date for reasons. Human Sacrifices by Maria Fernanda Empuero and translated by Francis Riddle. This is a collection of disturbing horror stories, so I'm totally into it. Bring it on. And Seidel Creek by Jolene McElwain, a series of connected stories set in western Pennsylvania. So, those are some paperback releases today. Tirza, what are you going to read next? Um, My library hold of When the Angels Left the Old Country by Sasha Lamb just came in. So I'm probably going to read that one before it um, expires out of my library queue. Um, I'm excited. It won a lot of ALA awards earlier this year, and I haven't gotten to it yet. So it looks good. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. It's It's on my list somewhere, like everything else. I just picked up The Trauma Beat, A Case for Rethinking the Business of Bad News by Tamara Cherry. Uh, I haven't started yet. I just got it. And Cherry is a journalist, and it examines uh, survivors of tragedies who are not injured, as well as journalists and people who cover horrible events and the sort of trauma that they experience secondhand or firsthand, but, you know, because they're not injured, they're not given the same considerations as, as other people. It just, it sounds really fascinating. So I grabbed that. And uh, I also, I didn't mean to mention Michael Jordan twice in one episode. I don't think I've ever mentioned him, but I just got Jumpman, The Making and Meaning of Michael Jordan by Johnny Smith, which is a biography that's coming out the end of this year or the beginning of next year. So I'm also excited to read that. And that is all for today. You can subscribe to First Edition on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio audio editor should 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 we have jen like change that like fix that or is it, <laughs> thank you to our awesome audio editor jen zinc you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com tears of where can people find you online um i hang out mostly on instagram but sometimes on twitter too at tears of price all right and you can find me on instagram at friends and comes alive and if you want to give us a treat you can go to apple podcasts or spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us, and we appreciate it so much. And as much as we would love to say about more books today and Michael Jordan and sharks, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime... Happy Happy reading. reading!